Welcome to the Hope Revolution messages. You'll be able to find our sermon podcast at hoperevolution.church forward slash sermon, as well as all other podcast players. We hope you enjoy this message. We've been looking for quite a number of weeks now about the character of God, and we're going to do that again today. And we're going to be looking at the fact that God is unchanging. And what that pretty much means is whatever story you heard or whatever story you told, the God is still the same today, this moment, as he was whenever that happened. Whether it happened a week ago, whether it happened years and years and years ago, God is the same God because he's actually unchanging. And so if he did it then for you, he can do it now. If he did it for that person, he can do it for you because he actually does not change. There's some Bible verses that tell us this, amazingly enough. It's not just an idea that I came up with. And the first one is one that I think is the first one that came to mind for me when I think about the fact that God is unchanging. And that is in Hebrews 13.8 when it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Pretty straightforward. We could just end there. We're not going to. I know someone probably said, oh, Matthew. (laughs) I love the fact that this verse tells us exactly what we need to know about who God is. Because whoever God is, he is that way yesterday, he is that way right this moment, and he will be that way forever. Which means whatever we have read, whatever we have heard that God has done, God can still do. The Bible stories that you read, the story that you read of someone long ago doing this amazing thing, that is who God is. And so we don't have to doubt, will he, can he, because he is unchanging, if he's already done it, that is who he is. Another verse is James 1.17 that says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God is the same. He does not change. Malachi 3.6 tells us, and this is actually God himself talking about himself. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. I think this is a really interesting verse, partly because it's God himself telling us. So it's not just an idea from Paul or James or whoever you think wrote Hebrews. He may not have. We don't know. But this is God himself saying, I do not change. And he not only says, I do not change, but he gives this interesting line, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. So what we're going to do, very briefly, is I'm going to give you a quick overview of the overall story of the Bible. So, 
here we go. God created the heavens and the earth. He made humankind. And he made humankind and said it was good. And he wanted to have a relationship with humans. But we sinned. And we did things that God didn't want us to do. And so God said, I can't actually deal with sin. So you have to leave the Garden of Eden. So people left. Well, Adam and Eve left. Then if we go along a bit, because we're going quick, we get to Noah. And God goes, who is righteous among these people? Who actually is following me? Who actually wants to live a life that is pleasing to me? Oh, Noah, fantastic. I found one person. Everybody else, nup. I'm going to send a flood. So a flood came. And Noah and his family were the only ones that survived the flood. But God said, I so want a relationship with people that I'm going to put a rainbow in the sky and I promise I am never going to flood the earth again. And then we go further along. Again, we're being very quick. And we get to Abraham. And God says, you know what? There are people on this earth that do not know me. Abraham, I'm going to choose you. I'm going to set you aside so that you can point people to me. You are going to be not just one family. I'm going to make you the father of many, many nations. And I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. I so want a relationship with you that I'm going to do it all and you get to just be my people and follow me. Then as we jump along, the people of Israel followed God sometimes and forgot about God other times. And if we get to Joseph, we know that because of Joseph and the things that he did, or his, oh, well, let's go back a bit. We should probably mention Jacob. So Jacob comes along and God says again to Jacob, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people through you. Everybody's going to know about me. So Jacob has Joseph and other brothers. They end up in Egypt and Israelites, the Israelites grow and grow and grow and grow. But they become slaves in Egypt. And they pretty much have forgotten about God and are stuck in slavery. And then they go, oh, hang on. We're God's chosen people. Why don't we actually ask God to come save us? And so they did. They cried out to God and said, God, save us. We're in slavery. This is not how we want to be living. And so Moses came along. And God got Moses to come and rescue the Israelite people out of Egypt. And so that's where we got from Jacob and his, like, and his sons, we get the 12 tribes of Israel. Anyhow, I'm meant to be quick. Um, <laughs> can't help myself. We get to the Israelites in the desert. And Moses goes up on a mountain and he gets some laws. And God says, I so want to have a relationship with you and I so want you to know me that I'm going to give you some ways that this can work. I'm going to give you some commandments. You follow these commandments and follow me and we will go well together. The Israelite people did this sometimes and other times they didn't. One of those times is, Spies go into the promised land that God had called them to and said, I'm going to lead you to this promised land. And the spies came back and 10 of them say, it's so big, the people there. It's too hard. We should not go in there like it's too much. And two people, Joshua and Caleb, say, no, 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 no. There are big people there, but God is on our side. 
So we should go and enter the promised land. And the rest of the people go, no, 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 no. Too many big people, too scary. We're going to stay here. It's safer in the desert than to enter where God had told us we were going to go. So God says, you're not going to follow me. You're going to wander around in the desert. But they wander around in the desert for 40 years. And then Joshua gets raised up. And God says again, enter the promised land. And so Joshua does, and he takes all of Israel into the promised land. And there's lots of battles and there's lots of things that happen, but the Israelite people go to where God had promised them. They go to the promised land and they start living there. But then, like all humans, they forget about God. They get comfortable. They build houses and just get on with their life. And so God raises up someone who comes and causes havoc for the Israelite people. And the Israelite people are like, oh, no, this is really bad. What's happening here? Oh, hey, there's God. We should ask him. God, come save us. God, come save us. So God raises up people like Samuel, like Deborah, like Ehud, who's one of my favorite. They're called judges, even though they're really people that like came and delivered the Israelite people. And this is the cycle that happened time and time again throughout biblical history or Israelite history. The people remembered God and said, God, you're fantastic. We, will, we want to be your people. You're going to be our God. We're going to follow you. And then they forget. And they forget and they go about on their own ways and they forget about God and they don't follow his ways. And then something happens that makes them go, this is really bad. I don't want to be here anymore. God, can you come and help me? And so God steps in and helps them and sends someone to come and bring them back. But again, the same thing happens and the same thing happens. And then the Israelite people go, you know what, God? You're really good, but we want a king like everybody else. So give us a king. And God says, you don't really want a king. I should be your king. But the Israelite people go, no, 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 we really, really want a king. And God says, okay, remember I told you this isn't what is best for you, but I'll give it to you. So Saul comes along and becomes their king. And Saul follows God sometimes and other times does his own thing. And then God raises up David. And David is known as a man after God's own heart. Someone who isn't perfect. We can tell, we can, you can read about David's life and learn that he does not always do what God wants him to do. But the one thing he does do is he repents when it's pointed out to him. And he actually desires to follow God. And so God says to David, I'm going to renew my covenant, which is a word, a big word that we can't go into at the moment with you and with your people, and that you and from your line, David, all the people on the earth are going to be blessed. And because of you, David, it's through your line that you will always have a king. And then the Israelite people, after David died, who was a great king, have an argument among themselves as to who should be the next king. And 10 of the tribes want one person And two of the tribes want another person, so they split. And Israel is never whole again. And within the ten tribes in the northern kingdom, we have some really bad kings who do not follow God. And God tries to tell them this, and they don't listen. In the southern kingdom, we have some really bad kings that don't listen to God, even when he tries to tell them to correct their ways. But at least in the southern kingdom, there's some good kings. There's some kings that actually follow the things that God tells them to, that does repent and move Israel back into the way that God wants them to be, to be 
his people and for him to be their God. So what God did was raise up a nation that came and took over the 10 tribes of Israel, the northern kingdom, and they were pretty much assimilated into other nations and tapered off, never really to be known again. But because you, the descendants of Jacob, will not be destroyed, because of what God had already said, that because of you, nations on the earth will be blessed, because he said to David, your line of kings will never end, God kept the southern kingdom, the two little tribes, going. And even though nations came and took over them, they never assimilated. They were still the Jewish people within the nation that had taken over them. And God raised up prophets again and again to say, come back to me, come back to me. And sometimes they listened. A lot of the time they didn't. But God so wanted a relationship with people that despite people not listening, he still did his end of the bargain. And then we get to the end of the Old Testament, we get into the New Testament, where we see Jesus come. And the reason Jesus came is because of the reason that God had right from the very beginning. He wanted to have a relationship with people. He wanted to know them and for them to know him. And so because of that, Jesus came once and for all to say, I can be your God and you can be my people. You can know me and I can know you. We can actually be in relationship, which is what God has always desired. And so Jesus came and he lived on earth and then he died on the cross and then he rose again to conquer sin, the thing that separates us from God once and for all. And then the Holy Spirit came. And the Holy Spirit came when Jesus went up to the heaven for the very same reason that God had right in in Genesis, which is to say, I want to know you and I want you to know me. And so the Holy Spirit is there so that we can know God and God can know us. And so the big picture of the overall story of the Bible is really simple. God wants to know you and wants you to know him. And it's the same from the very beginning to the very end to this moment in history, even though the Bible is not continuing to be written. But God's story continues to be written because it's the same God that we serve now and the same purpose that God has now, which is, I want to know you and I want you to be able to know me. And I'm going to do what it takes to do that because I know who you are. And I know that you cannot handle keeping up your end of the bargain, but so I will keep up my end of the bargain. And I will always keep up my end of the bargain so that you can know me and so I can know you. And that is the unchanging God that we serve. That despite years, despite centuries, despite different nations, despite technology, God's purpose and plan remains the same. He wants people to know him and he wants them to have the ability to know him. And he has done all that he can so that that can happen. Because he is unchanging, that plan and that purpose has never changed. And it's not just his plans and purposes that have never changed. And I hope that that all made sense. And if I I have to listen again to see how well I did that. But we'll see. Even not only is God's plans and purposes didn't change, but his character doesn't change. Who he is hasn't changed. These are all the things that we've looked at about the character of God up until now. And we're going to continue in the weeks ahead 
to look at more things about the character of God. But not only does God's purposes never change, not only does what he does never change, but his character doesn't change. And not only does it never change, but he's never partly anything. He's always everything all at once. I'm really good at being patient at times. I can be really loving at times. I'm ignoring the laughs from my family because they're laughing because I'm always patient and always loving. That's there. <laughs> I can be loving one day and the next day not. I can be a little bit loving and a lot loving. That is not God. He is not like us. He is always completely and utterly all these things all at the same time because he does not change. And so whatever it was that you remembered in the past that you shared earlier about how loving God was or how much peace he gave you or just how the miracle he did, he is that today because he doesn't change. I want to have a look at Psalm 77. It's a psalm that was written by a Levite around the time that David was around. And I'm going to be reading in the New Living Translation. It'll be up on the screen. Um, I love, Melissa, you've got your two different Bibles. But you're welcome to read along. But if it's confusing because the words are slightly different, I just went for an easier to hear and listen to. And I just want you to follow us sort of along as we look at this person's situation and what happens um, in their life or in this scenario for them. I cry out to God, yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long, I prayed with hands lifted towards heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep. I'm too distressed even to pray. I think of the good old days long since ended when the nights were filled with joyful song. I search my soul and ponder the difference now. There is more to the psalm, but I just want to stop there for a second and ask the question, have you ever related to what he said here? That you're crying out to God and you're like, God, where are you? That you're overwhelmed with longing for his help. That you are distressed, you cannot even sleep. That you think about what God did in the past and think, boy, wouldn't I like that to happen now, but that was so long ago. And this is now. I can relate to that and I don't know about you guys. But this guy is not just what he says. I'm too distressed to even pray. He's crying out to God and seemingly getting nowhere. Let's keep on reading. Verse 7. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Has his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door in compassion? And I said, this is my fate. 
the Most High has turned his hand against me. So not only is this person distressed and crying out to God, but he's got to a point of saying, I think God's gone. He's left me. He wants nothing to do with me. His compassion, the door's been slammed on it. He's forgotten to be gracious. This is how distressed and anguished this person is at the moment. Then we get to verse 11 that says this, But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. O God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the red... Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The seas quaked to its very depth. The crowds poured out the rain. The thunders rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder rolled with the whirlwind, and the lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. You led your people along a road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. This is a really powerful verse in this psalm and it changes everything. But then I recalled all that you have done, O Lord. I remembered your wonderful deeds of long ago. And you can tell in this psalm the massive shift that happens between verse 10 and then verse 11 onwards. The despair that he's feeling, the fact that he goes, God, I don't even know if you're here. I think you've forsaken me. I know you're real, but I don't think you want anything to do with me. I've cried out and it's been hopeless. I don't even know if you're loving and compassionate anymore. I don't even know if you, like, where you have gone, but you're not here. And then the only thing that changed was what the person started thinking about. Because when I recalled all that you've done, O Lord, I remembered your wonderful deeds long ago, hope comes into the verses. Because he remembered who God was and what he had done. And so he remembered that the first half of what he was saying cannot be true because God doesn't change. And so if God did this for me or for someone else, if God is this, he has to still be it, even in my despair, even when I can't see it, even when it makes no sense, even when what is before me seems to be in ashes. God doesn't change. And so if God was compassionate to you last week, he is compassionate to you right now. If he's a God who gives you peace, he's a God who gives you peace. Not he picks and chooses, not it comes and goes depending on me, because it actually depends on God, because he's the one that doesn't change, not us. And so because of this, we see in this psalm 
this fantastic switch of going from despair to hope and the circumstances don't change from what we can gather, the only thing that changes is what the person is focusing on, what they're remembering. And they're remembering who God actually is and what he has done in the past. And if he's done it in the past, if he is that, he has to remain it because he's unchanging. This is another psalm, Psalm 104.8, that says, He, being God, has remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. Reminds us that if God said it, that is the way it is. To a thousand generations. Not just from week to week. Or he said that a month ago, but I don't know if it's true now. It's true if he said it. Numbers 23.19 says, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? And the answer to those questions is, no, he doesn't speak and then not act. He speaks and then acts. He doesn't promise and not fulfill. He promises and fulfills his promise because he cannot change. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Just another reminder from Paul that doesn't depend on us. It depends on who God is. And he cannot disown himself, so he cannot be anything other than who he says he is. He cannot change, even if he really wanted to. But why would he want to? Because he's perfect. We see this kind of thing happen a number of times in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, where people remembered who God was or what God had done, and it helped them in their current circumstance. It come, the one that comes to mind mostly for me is David when he's in front of Saul and there's the army and um, Goliath is there. And Saul says to him, the Tanya version, hey, what is, like, who do you think you are that you're going to be able to defeat Goliath? And David says, well, I defeated the bear. God helped me defeat the lion. So who's Goliath? And you could say he's a person and much bigger than the bear and the lion. But David knew that God was the same God, the one that was with him when he was looking after the sheep and helped him defeat the bear and the lion is the same one that could help him defeat Goliath because that's what God wanted and God actually is the same. And so it's the same for us. It doesn't matter what is happening in our life now. It doesn't even matter what we contribute or don't contribute. God is the same. And because of that, we can actually trust and have hope in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. If we're looking for peace and can't seem to find it, remember the time that God gave you peace and know it's the same God. If you are joyous today, remember the joy that you have today and know that you can have that tomorrow. Because God is the same. And God has never put us in the driver's seat in terms of who he is. From Genesis all the way up to this moment in time and forevermore, God has always said, 
hey, humans, I know that you change. One moment you're really happy, the next moment you're not. One moment you're faithful to me, the next moment you're not. I can't rely on you guys holding up your end of the bargain. But what we can rely on is that God always holds up his end. And he has again and again and again said, my purpose in life is to, for you to be known by me and for me to be known by you. And that's not just for you, but that's for every human being that walks on this earth. I want my kingdom to come on earth like it is in heaven. And those purposes never change. And his character never changes. And so that's why testimonies is so helpful. That's why looking at the Bible and not getting discouraged because, oh, look what happened back then. It should encourage us, wow, look what happened back then. That is the same God. And so I want to encourage you that whatever you are going through, if you need a God who is a healer, he's healing right now like he did yesterday, like he did forever in the future. If you need to know the love of God, his love never changes. Whatever you are needing from God, God is actually the same. And so if you know that he has done it in the past for you, you can be guaranteed he can do it right now. Or even what you heard someone else say that he did for them or his character, what his character was like for them, same God. And it's not reliant on us, it's reliant on who he is and his character. And so because of that, we can actually trust that if God says it, it has to come true. If that is who God is, that is who God is, regardless of anything else. Lockie's going to put a song on now. And I just want us just to spend a few minutes listening to the words, closing your eyes if you want to, and just spend some time either rejoicing in the fact that God is who he says he is or reminding yourself and the situation you find yourself in that God is the same God. Thanks, Lockie.
you know, God, we just really want to thank you that you are the same. That what you were like yesterday is the same you are today and the same that you will forever be because you do not change. I want to pray, Lord God, for each one of us, Lord, who live in a world that sometimes feels like it's always changing. That this can give us confidence that our firm foundation never changes. That we can have hope and we can have trust and we can rely on who you are because you are always consistent. You are always the same. And so I want to thank you, God, that when we step into situations, we can trust that you're going to be there for us, God. That whatever is happening in our life, Lord, that it's not reliant on who we are, God, but all of who you are. So thanks for being consistent. Thanks for being the same. And thanks for being perfect in that, God. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or feedback, please email us at hello at hoperevolution.church.